What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with me for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out over there. Podcasts, articles, threads, everything over on Twitter. Before we get started today, I'd really appreciate you guys, A, subscribing to the podcast, and B, leaving a positive review on the show as well. We're going to be entering into the off-season months. It'll be a little bit harder to watch. I understand baseball's not in season. It won't be at the top of your minds. If you subscribe to the show, you still download throughout the off-season and support. Also, if you're leaving a positive review, it just helps other people to see the show. That's it for me on that side. Let's get into the baseball front. And if you guys are new to the show, we look back on yesterday's top performers. We look at the most added and dropped players today in fantasy. And then we look at some of the best pitching matchups of the night. Some nights there's really none to, to focus on. I always pick one. Um, but some nights there's not as many. Tonight, there are literally like five or six great pitching matchups to choose from. So we'll go through a couple of those uh, at the end of the show here. But let's start off with yesterday, and the top performer for me was Tony Gonsolin. I think for a lot of people, it was Tony Gonsolin. A seven-inning victory over Milwaukee. He struck out eight, only allowed two hits, and walked one. I'm still surprised that this has gone on this long for Tony Gonsolin. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about he deserves Cy Young votes. He really does. He's 15-1 and one with a 2.12 ERA and a .86 whip. It's pretty hard to argue that he shouldn't be, you know, like... He's definitely, this season, been a top three or four pitcher, at least in the National League. And now, does Alcantara have it wrapped up? Most likely he does. But I think that there is room here for Gonsolin and even Corbin Burns, who I've been on for a lot of the season thinking that there's a chance here. All it takes is a couple of bad starts in September for it to really open up the landscape from any of these top three or four guys. Uh, a couple of them have bad starts. You might see even like, it's unlikely, but maybe a Julio Urias sneak in there. Maybe Max Freed. It's not really likely, but in September, it's the freshest thing in voters' minds once we get to that point of the season. If there's a couple of bad starts, even if you were fantastic for five and a half months, if you spend the last couple of weeks scuffling, it's going to impact things. Tony Gonsolin is still keeping things up. Not to say that these other guys aren't, but I mean... I don't know. Tony Gonsolin is just, I think, pitching in Los Angeles. He's going to get some extra votes there. The Marlins aren't the sexiest organization. There's little stupid things like that that factor into voting that really shouldn't. But I think they do. And I think Gonsolin, honestly, if he keeps this up now, it's only a few more weeks he's really got to do it. Uh, there's a chance that he could be like a huge surprise Cy Young winner. That 15 wins, that low ERA, those are things that voters really love. Alcantara has how many victories this season? 11 wins. I don't know. There's just things on the surface that they shouldn't matter. 11 and 5 record versus 15 and 1. The ERAs are pretty similar. Playing for the Dodgers versus the Marlins. If you have a vote for the Cy Young and you're not so dialed in, you might just look at a couple of those broad stats and that would be where your vote goes. Personally, I think it'll be Alcantara. But Tony Gonsolin has been able to keep this up for the entire season now. We've all been predicting the downfall, and good on him because he's been able to maintain like first-round value. So good on him. Uh, this isn't something that I would expect to carry over season after season, most likely. Who knows, because we didn't expect it to even last for this long. But I wouldn't be drafting Tony Gonsolin heading into next year like he's a top five, seven starting pitcher. This is a great season. I'm just... In the long run, still a little bit uh, skeptical about what he can do year on year. But this season, he's definitely going to be in the Cy Young contention. 
Let's talk about Sean Murphy. He has been a little bit up and down this season. I mean, from the catcher slot, it's likely if you had him, you just held on to him all season. But it was a bit of a downturn. Recently, though, he has picked it up over the last month. Seven home runs, 16 RBIs. He's batting 286. Yesterday, he hit a couple of bombs, drove in three. He also scored three times. He's still a very serviceable fantasy catcher. I was remember, I remember getting a question earlier in the season. Alejandro Kirk or Sean Murphy? This was probably in May. I want to say it was May. And I went with Kirk. Or sorry, sorry. I went with Murphy. Wanting to go with Kirk because of my Toronto homerism. But I went with Murphy. I thought he was more of a safe pick. And for the course of the season, that has not really turned out well. But recently, over the last month, Murphy has been far better than Alejandro Kirk. Just to quickly segue into Kirk here. Over the last month, he's 16 for his last 70 with one home run. It has really not been great. Overall, he's still higher ranked than Murphy, but it's actually not by much. Kirk is 198 in standard 5x5. Murphy is 212. It's gotten a lot closer than it probably should have been. Kirk has struggled. Murphy has been someone who has been really a solid catcher to roster all season long. He's not going to blow you away, but there's not many catchers that will blow you away. He's got 16 homers. He's got 103 runs plus RBIs. 51 runs, 52 RBIs. He's even stolen a base while batting 250 from your catcher slot. That's pretty solid. I know there's some people who were kind of disappointed in him for a while there. He's absolutely a must-roster player if he is still sitting out there. Not many leagues because right now I believe it's 70-ish percent, 70 on the dot. So it's not going to be too many leagues, but he's definitely a top five or six catcher uh, in baseball for fantasy as far as I see it. Let's talk about Carlos Rodon. He threw six innings yesterday, 11 strikeouts, one earned run, two walks, and two hits. He also hit a batter. But Carlos Rodon is someone who he's not going to be in that Cy Young conversation most likely because there's just a lot of guys who have lower ERAs, a little bit more flashy uh, there. He's currently eighth in ERA, but I think that there are a few guys ahead of him, like we mentioned earlier, who are going to get the brunt of the votes. But Rodon in 140 innings, 11 victories, 179 strikeouts, a 289 ERA, and a 105 whip. He's been a bit of a roller coaster, I can't lie to you. At the beginning of the season, I was like pretty sure, like, oh man, like the White Sox, just horrible move. They should have kept him. And then there was one really bad start against St. Louis, eight earned runs, which kind of inflated the ERA a little bit. And then he really got back into a groove there for a while. And then what we saw in the middle of July was a couple of rough outings in a row. It's kind of inflated the ERA again. All that to say is it's really been a better season than the 289 ERA even suggests. Like he's pitching as well as he did last year when he had a 237 ERA, if not even a little bit better at points. I mean, like I said, it's been a little bit up and down, but when he's been on this season, he's been as good, I think, as he's ever been. Um, Not anything to do fantasy-wise at this point. I mean, maybe there's still some of you guys who haven't passed your trade deadlines, but we're really, really pushing it. If If you haven't passed your trade deadline, you're in a standard ESPN or Yahoo league, it's because your commissioner would have manually moved the deadline back. That's not really a point on Rodon, but just in general, there are still some guys who maybe might not be so highly valued. Rodon is pretty highly valued, but he's not seen in that same upper elite tier when he probably should be. If you are still in a trade league, I, I would be, I'd be all right to see what it would cost you to acquire Rodon right now. Obviously, Very few leagues are going to be at that point, but I just think that he's still a little bit undervalued in terms of fantasy circles. The last month, a 357 ERA, it's not going to blow you away necessarily. There might still be room in a couple of leagues to throw an offer in there and get him for a discount's not the right word, but for cheaper than it probably should cost uh, to acquire Rodon. Just a couple of my two cents on him uh, at this point. Cal Raleigh. 
he's someone I got to give credit to Eric Samolski and Michael Govier. Those guys were on him. I'm not even sure exactly when, but well before uh, he started to heat up. I think it would have been in May. And now he has 18 home runs. I believe he leads the majors in catcher home runs. He's only batting 208, but those home runs have been fantastic out of the catcher slot. That's all you really would roster him for. There's nothing much. I mean, obviously, you're going to get some RBIs there, but powerful catcher who's playing most days right now. I think that he is an absolute must-add in any team, really, uh, 10 team and above. You need catchers at really any point of the season. Catchers are kind of a crapshoot. There's Even like I was talking about earlier, Alejandro Kirk has been brutal, and he's not a drop, but he might be someone that you want to think about benching for a week or so, a couple weeks, maybe he gets it right. You stick Cal Raleigh in there, and right now he is on a hot streak. So I would be totally cool with that. Uh, over the last month, he has five home runs and 75 at-bats. It's really solid. It's not, you know, it's not the most popular ad because he plays in Seattle. He's kind of an unknown still, but he's giving you a lot of power. He's kind of doing what Mike Zanino did last season. A lot of home runs, shitty batting average. Uh, there's absolutely space for him, though, I think, on every roster, 10-team and above. Let's go Ranger Suarez. Seven innings, three hits, two walks, eight strikeouts yesterday. He has been unbelievable over the last month. 30 and a third innings, a 1.19 ERA. Ranger Suarez is someone who I was so big on last season. Not that I was like forecasting he would be so great, but once he got hot, once he got the closer role there for a while in Philly, I scooped him up. They moved him to the rotation. I was really pissed off because I needed saves. And then he was dominant as a starter down the stretch, and he's doing it again this season. It's very eerily similar to what we saw over the last, I forget how long it really lasted last season, maybe maybe six weeks or so of just elite starts. And that's what he's doing right now. Uh, for the season, a 331 ERA, 129 whip. He's really got those numbers down. And he's been someone who's been kind of hard to, to forecast exactly this season. Strikeouts have not been massive. There's been some issues with walks, more so earlier in the season, but he's still walking usually about one, two batters a game. The team has not been so great behind him. He has eight victories. It's it's kind of hard to really judge him um, up until recently anyway. Right now, he's absolutely a must-roster player. It's not going to be a lot of leagues where he is available. I think it's somewhere in the 70% range for... Um, for roster percentage, let me just take a look. 68% actually. There's still going to be some leagues where he's out there. Not a lot. Probably not the most competitive of leagues, but Ranger Suarez should not be sitting on any waiver wires. None at all. Go pick him up if you still can. Like I said, not so many leagues, but there are still, this is the time when the diligent fantasy player ends up coming away with league titles and money. Some people, I've mentioned this before, they start focusing on football. They start talking about basketball. They go back to school, maybe, if they're students, and there's just a lot of other things going on. Make sure that he's not sitting on your waiver wire. It, it really, it, it should not be that way if it is. Ross Stripling. Man, I was watching this game, and I was thinking, the Jays are going to throw uh, their first perfect game in history, their first no-hitter in 30 years. The Jays have had one no-hitter in their history. It was Dave Steeb. It was the late 80s or the early 90s somewhere. And there's been a couple of close calls since then, but it was, it's been a long time uh, with the Jays no uh, without the Jays no hitting somebody I thought we were going to see that from Stripling yesterday it was six perfect innings and then Cedric Mullins with a little bloop single into center field he's still been excellent though regardless of the perfect game or not Ross Stripling for the season 293 ERA 1.03 whip that is phenomenal for really anybody uh, maybe not for Jacob deGrom or some of those elite guys but if you're pitching to a sub three ERA and a whip right around the one range 
That's excellent. I mean, I saw people talking on Blue Jays Twitter about him being maybe the MVP of the Blue Jays season. You wouldn't think so. You'd say, oh, no, it's been Manoa or it's been maybe Vlad. I think I honestly agree that you could argue Stripling here with all the injuries and all the shit that's happened with the Jays pitching and Kikuchi's been awful and Barrios has been almost as awful. Not not as bad as Kikuchi, but Barrios has been a serious headache. Uh, I don't know what they would have done without Stripling. Earlier in the season, pitching long relief, he even has a save, five victories. Uh, I think that Ross Stripling should be rostered in most leagues. Now, there are going to be the odd start where you're going to have to sit him. He's in the American League East. He might be at Yankee Stadium a couple times. I don't have the schedule in front of me. If he is in one of those tough matchups, I don't know that I would trust him. But for the most part right now, uh, you're going to be sending him out there pretty much every time. And even as I say that, he has handled teams like the Yankees this season already. Uh, Not so well, but I mean, he's done uh, all right. There was one start in particular, or maybe it wasn't the Yankees, actually. No, sorry, it was not the Yankees. I'm thinking of the Red Sox. He did well a couple times. No, that is my bad. The Yankees, he had three and two thirds, uh, two earned runs, three strikeouts. Nothing great. That was actually one of his like worst starts of the season. If you're looking at a hole at Ross Stripling, there's only one outing this season where he's allowed more than three earned runs, and it happened on May the 7th in Cleveland. Long time ago. I actually remember that game, but it has literally been like green pastures for Ross Stripling for a long time now. Strikeouts aren't massive, but recently, 7-5. There was the game with one against the Red Sox. We'll ignore that. 6-6. Six, six, I mean, it's if he's going to do in that range, uh, five, even four to seven strikeouts while giving you solid ratios over five, six innings every time out, uh, you're, you're going to take that, and that's what he's been able to give you. Now, like I said, there will be times where you have to bench him. His next start, I believe, is at Fenway. Uh, it's against Boston for sure. Yeah, it's at Fenway. It's a little bit iffy. Uh, Fenway can be pretty hitter-friendly. The Red Sox obviously aren't covering themselves in glory right now, but I think that that's going to come down to what's going on the couple days before, what's happening with your matchups. I think it's scheduled for Wednesday. Uh... Let me see when this one is coming for Stripling. No, it wouldn't be Wednesday, would it be? It would be earlier than that in the week. I think we're looking at um, early next week. So Tuesday, one, two, three, four. Yeah, I think it's going to be Tuesday against the Red Sox. I would probably sit him against the Red Sox. It's kind of iffy, but I think overall you got to be cautious. Their offense is not that bad. I mean, if you look at what they've done, they're eighth in runs, they're sixth in hits. Uh, 11th in slugging. They're not great, but they're certainly not like a poor team. It's a pretty hitter-friendly park there. I'd add him and probably sit him for that start, but I think that Ross Stripling uh, is pretty undervalued. He should be rostered in more places than he is. Let's talk about Nick Lodolo for a second. He had a great start. He went seven innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, and five hits. Now, Lodolo is still raw. He still walks too many batters for sure, but he's still pretty undervalued overall in fantasy. Uh, As of last night, he was 22% on Yahoo. Might have gone up a little bit, but I doubt it that much. Um, Nick Lodolo, 21. It actually went down. People would have dropped him after streaming him in. He shouldn't be on so many waiver wires. I really don't think that that's correct. He's been a lot better over his last month or so. If you go back to July 5th and look at the eight starts since then, 40 innings, 53 strikeouts, and a 383 ERA. If you don't want to roster him, it's kind of understandable because of the team he plays for. The ballpark's not great, but at the very least, uh, he should be remembered as an away streamer uh, for 
the foreseeable future anyways. The rest of the season, I think that he could be a guy where you stream him in three or four times. He's able to give you high strikeouts. I mean, the wins might be a little hard to come by pitching for Cincinnati, but he's available in far too many leagues. I would, I would be starting to correct that if we can. One more guy we'll talk about here is Corey Kluber. Six innings, eight strikeouts, two earned runs, a walk, and four hits. I actually tweeted out uh, about Corey Kluber this morning. If you look at his last five starts, he has a 6.28 ERA, but a 3.22 fielding independent pitching, a 3.23 xFIP, which is essentially just <clears throat> removing all the factors that are not within the pitcher's control, trying to just tell you the quality of the pitches that he is throwing. It shows you that he's been doubly unlucky. Essentially, he should have roughly a 3.20-ish ERA. It's at 6.28 over the last five starts. He's striking out 22.8% of batters, perfectly reasonable. He's only walking 2.4% of batters, which is absolutely superb. Now, here we get into more of the unlucky stuff with Kluber. Last five starts, 364 BABIP, 57.7 left on base percentage. BABIP should be close to 300, maybe even a little bit less, depending on the player. It's hard to find like league average BABIP because it's kind of different for everybody. But typically, you're looking averaging about 300, 290 in that range. Uh, he's getting really unlucky there. And he's only leaving, like I said, 57.7% of runners on base. Most pitchers, typically 70 to 72%. That is something that should start to correct uh, over these next few starts. His CSW is also 32.8%. That is the called strikes plus whiffs. Balls that are thrown, not swung at, that are called a strike, and obviously swings and misses. Now, some people are being like, why would you say that? I realize sometimes I'll throw out a stat here. I'll say CSW, FIP, whatever, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people don't know what those stats are. Sometimes I'm just shooting the shit with my friends, and I'll say, oh, yeah, his ERA is good, but have you seen his FIP? And they're like, what the hell are you talking about, some of them? So I understand uh, that some people aren't so much into the fan graphs and the savants, and they just you know maybe listen to the odd podcast, set their lineups, try and absorb all the advice, but they don't really know what some of these things mean. That's why sometimes I'll try and just – you know, dumb it down for lack of a better word. I was like this last season. I knew what they were. I knew what the stats were, but in terms of actually how to read them and how to look into them more, uh, focusing on baseball as much as I have this season has really given me a better understanding of how to evaluate players, how to look at statistics. And if you're not doing it constantly every day, then you're going to forget what these acronyms mean. So that is why I'll just briefly explain every now and again, going back to Kluber, a lot of people have dropped, maybe not a lot of people have dropped him, but he's gone down like 6% over the last week on Yahoo. And yes, that's 628 ERA over the last 28 and two-thirds. It's awful, but I just rhymed out a bunch of stats there that should ease your mind a little bit in terms of Corey Kluber. He's been really unlucky, but he's still throwing strikes, not walking batters. I would definitely be holding on here. If someone's dropped him in your league, I think that he's a solid add in any 12-team plus leagues. Let's take a look now at the waiver wire. If you are new to the show, I doubt there's many new viewers at this point of the season, but if you are new, we go through the most added and dropped players across fantasy. Just talk about them briefly, whether I agree, disagree, indifferent. Let's just get into it here. Dane Dunning, he is the number one most added player. He starts today against the Oakland Athletics. I'm a fan of this one. I think going through the streams today, there's not really so many great options. Yesterday, embarrassment of streaming options. I talked about it. It was Kirby, and uh, God, I'm forgetting now who else there was. It was Kirby, there was Lodolo, there was Drew Smiley. There was a lot of really viable options that all ended up panning out pretty well. Dane Dunning is about the strongest one I'm seeing right here for a couple of reasons. Over his last month, 
22 and a third innings. He's got a 2.82 ERA with decent strikeouts. Uh, 20 of them in 22 innings. It's fine. It's not going to blow you away, but it'll do. When he's facing Oakland here, that's definitely a matchup that you're going to be interested in. They're a poor offense. We all know this. It's at home in Texas. The ballpark factors aren't going to be so big here, but Dane Dunning, I think, is about the best available streamer you're going to find today. Uh, Just going through the list, really nobody else that I'm so interested in here. He would be my number one. Now, I'm recording this about noon, 1230. He starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time, so if you're listening before, the show will come out probably at 1.15, 1.30 ish. Um, I would go and add Dane Dunning if you still can. Probably best option you're going to find today. Brett Beatty, he is the second most added player. He homered in his first at-bat. It was great, great video if you guys haven't seen it. Family cheering. It was like I think the second pitch he saw in his career. Man, it's just things like that. That's why you love baseball. You know, obviously all professional sports have their nice moments like that. You know, first career touchdown, first goal in hockey, uh, whatever, first basket in the NBA, things like that. But I think first career home run and your first at-bat is about as cool as you're going to find in pro sports. In terms of his fantasy viability, I think he's absolutely an add 12 teams and deeper. Uh, Only third base, but that's not going to matter so much here down the stretch. I don't think he's in a great lineup. Got some power. Hit for a decent average in the minors. It was 315. Well, better than decent, really. But you have to assume it'll go down a bit here in the majors. He's not going to be a big steal guy, but the average power combo mixed with that great lineup he's in. I think Brett Beatty is worth a speculative add. Pretty much everywhere 12 and deeper. Josh Winkowski, he is another guy being added as a streamer today. I'm not so sold here. He's really a low strikeout guy. He gets the Pirates, so there's obviously some intrigue there. But for the whole here, uh, I'm not going to be using an ad on Winkowski. We're getting into crunch time. I think you need to save your ads for the ones that really make sense here. Dunning is the one that makes the most sense for me today. I think Winkowski is kind of a, eh, a very deep league option, I'd say, at the best. Let's talk Fran Mill Reyes. He had another multi-hit game yesterday. He has a hit in, I believe, every single game as a Cub. And most of the games he has multi-hits. He's had a couple of home runs. He's batting fifth in the lineup, although he has batted third and fourth as well. Right in the middle there, I'm, I'm definitely in on adding Fran Mill Reyes. We talked about it a couple times, I think, this week and maybe even last week, that that power upside is really not there on the wire anywhere else. You might find some other guys who can give you some power, Christian Walker is somebody who is perennially undervalued, but even he's like up over 60% rostered. Uh, When you're looking at Reyes, only 44%. He's still available in most leagues. I don't know that there's many guys I'd rather add in for a bit of a power boost at this point of the season than Fran Mill. Jason Adam, he appears to be the closer for Tampa. At least he's going to get most of the opportunities. You can never really tell with Tampa, but I think Jason Adam is going to be the guy He has a couple over these last two weeks. For the season, he's thrown 47 and two-thirds, 56 strikeouts, a 1.13 ERA, and a .63 whip. I think Jason Adam is a solid add for those occasional saves he's going to get. Maybe they'll become more regular. I just hesitate to say anything with full authority about the Rays because it's just really hard to tell what they're going to do. Even if he's not giving you so many saves, those ratios will be very valuable down the stretch. And I'm going to do a show on playoff strategy at some point. And I think it makes sense to have a couple of high leverage relievers like that as opposed to using streaming spots, depending on your matchup. If you're facing somebody who is going to be, and also this depends on how many ads you have for the week, for the playoffs, if it changes, whatever, those things matter. If you have somebody who's going to be streaming in constantly, a couple guys every day without limits, 
you kind of need to be adding in streamers yourself there just to compete in the counting stats. But if it's, you know, your regular four or five ads, the guy can use a couple of them here uh, at the beginning of the week, maybe for some two starters or what have you. I, I don't know that I'd be so interested in heavily streaming there. I think what I would prefer to do is roster guys like Jason Adam, like Munoz on Seattle, who are going to just really give you solid ratios. They're not necessarily going to give you a lot of wins and saves, but keeping those ratios down in the playoffs is really important. We don't factor them in so much, I don't think, when we're streaming in. We hope for the best, but in reality, we're getting a lot better ratios, for the most part, out of relievers like Jason Adams. So he is definitely somebody that I would consider adding. Not that he is must-roster, per se, but I think that he can be a pretty valuable add here uh, going forward. Mike Soroka continues to be added. We talked about him yesterday. He's a bit of a luxury stash right now, but I think if you have an IL slot, he does make sense. Andrew Heaney has also been added up a little bit here. It happened finally last time out against Kansas City. He did leave with arm contusion or what have you. Uh, I've never been big on Andrew Heaney. I was expecting something to happen at this point. Whether or not it's that serious, I'm not sure because he's scheduled to start today. Let me just double check that on another site because I don't want to be wrong about this. But uh, see, I'm getting no. You know, you know what? He is scheduled to start here. I was looking at uh, tomorrow. Yeah, Heaney versus Corbin Burns tonight should be interesting. I don't think I'm too interested though in Andrew Heaney as a whole for fantasy. He's just not this good. Obviously, the season ERA is 1.16. That's not going to sustain. We're talking about Andrew Heaney here. Look, even at last year, it was 583. That kind of improvement in one year, it just doesn't happen. I don't care what organization you're switching from into. It just doesn't happen. He's not this good. Who knows with this arm contusion thing. I'm staying away personally from Andrew Heaney. Christian Walker, he's still being added. He homered in three straight games, and then yesterday, no homers, but he went two for four with a couple of runs. 29 homers, 69 ribbies. A 223 average, which is obviously not great. He's still one of my favorite players in fantasy. Like the way that he can produce power, really, uh, it just go off like that. Three in a, three home runs or three games with home runs in a row. Uh, it's it's not rare necessarily, but it's 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 rare enough where you take notice when something like that happens. Seven home runs in the last month. Over the last week, he's the second ranked player. Over the last two weeks, he's the fourth ranked player. I've been on him for a long time. I've I've been all in on Christian Walker. I think that he should be added. Alexis Diaz, he got a win yesterday. I think that he is a solid add over in Cincinnati. He's got four wins, five saves. Obviously, wins are a bit of a crapshoot. You can't forecast those. But 63 strikeouts and 46 in the third. A 1.75 ERA and a .91 whip. Now, Dalton Del Don earlier this week pointed something out that I actually forgot, or maybe never knew to begin with, that he is the brother of Edwin Diaz for the Mets. I'm imagining those are some pretty proud parents this season between the way those two guys have been producing. Diaz is a strong ad in the same vein as what we were talking about earlier with Jason Adam, except I think Diaz is going to be the guy getting the brunt of these save opportunities. I'd be adding him up wherever you need saves and uh, a bit of ratio help there as well. Let's talk about some of the more dropped players today. Drew Smiley coming in at number one. I don't know that you need to be dropping Drew Smiley. He's had a few good starts in a row uh, over the last month, 27 innings. He has a 2.67 ERA. I don't think that it's necessary to be dropping him. I would be holding him in, in most cases unless you know you really need the streaming spot. But for the season, he's been, he's been all right where I think that you can say 
pretty confidently that I'm, I'm happy to hold him, uh, at least for now. I don't think that you desperately need to get rid of him. If there is a guy who is clearly better on the waiver wire, uh, a George Kirby or Reed Detmers, perhaps, or one of those guys, then yes. But I think for the most part, he's a, he's a perfectly serviceable back-end guy in 12s and and a guy I'm not going to say must roster, but a really solid guy to roster in a 15-teamer. Cal Quantrill, he gave up four runs to the Tigers yesterday. He was another guy I was actually pretty interested in streaming in, but he did not really deliver, unfortunately. Only two strikeouts. Those four earned runs led to a six ERA for the day. He's been dropped. Uh, I understand it. I'd be okay with it here. He did well in his two previous starts against August, or against August, against Houston and Toronto. A little bit of a brain fart there. But, I mean, at this point of the year, the strikeouts are pretty key. Now, with someone like Smiley, the strikeouts are not going to kill you. 65 of them in 76 innings. You can live without massive strikeouts because they're not terrible there. Uh, He's still getting by. Quantrill has 88 strikeouts in 136 innings. I don't know that the ratios justify that kind of low strikeout number here. I'm all right to be moving on from him uh, at this point. Tyler Molly, he's going to have an MRI. He left his start yesterday early. He's already getting dropped by people. I think that's a little premature. I've liked what he's done so far in a Twins uniform. I'm not dropping him just yet. Down 1% from yesterday on Yahoo. He was at 80. He's now at 79. Let's just wait and see what this news is exactly. Shoulder is never positive. Not usually. But I think I'm going to hold out here just in case it's, you know, some slight strain. He misses one start. You're not going to want to have dropped him if that is the case. Someone you are going to want to drop, unfortunately, is Joey Votto. He is going to have season-ending surgery on his rotator cuff this Friday. Man, what a disappointing year from Joey Votto and all the banter, all the talk about we need to hold on. And it's coming from myself, too, saying we need to hold on to Joey Votto. Look what he did last year. It was like that stretch of nine games in a row or eight games where he homered every one. And a buddy in my home league picked him up last year right before, like the day before that streak, and then he just went off and helped him to get to the finals of the league. But this season, we got 11 home runs, 41 RBIs, and a 205 batting average from Joey Votto. That one stings. It's like a dagger in the heart when you read that. 205 from Joey Votto. Like, oh, my God. He's still sitting on 33% of rosters. How many of those are inactive? Probably not that many. Maybe some of them, maybe 5%, something like that. That means, like, Anywhere from, I think, 25 to 30% of you guys are still holding him. Maybe you haven't seen the news yet. Maybe we just need to give this a bit more time for people to catch up. Maybe wake up on the West Coast and drop him. You need to drop him. I hate saying it, but there's season-ending surgery. There's nothing you can do. Let's talk about Ronzi Contreras. Not a great start for him yesterday. Four runs in six innings, three strikeouts. It wasn't terrible, but... Uh, I think I remember saying yesterday I'm staying away from Ronzi for this kind of reason. He was fine when he was up earlier in the year, but he'd been down for a good month and a half. Uh, I wasn't so interested there. I'm not so interested today as well. People are dropping him. Absolutely uh, no problem there. George Kirby is a bit of a puzzling drop for me. Uh, Some people have dropped him, and it's actually more than you might think. It's 1,500 leagues have dropped George Kirby Struck out seven over five and two-thirds, allowing three earned runs. I'm totally fine to keep rostering him. In fact, I encourage it. He's got a 347 ERA, a minuscule walk rate of 1.2 whip, 93 strikeouts in 90 and two-thirds innings. I don't see why people would be dropping him after this, maybe in really shallow leagues, but 
I don't I don't think it's necessary. There's nobody I would I would really I mean if you're talking about guys with high upside who you want to grab off the waiver wire if they're available, Kirby is one of those guys for me. Uh, absolutely. So I, I don't really get why he was dropped today. It it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Tariq Skubal is someone, unfortunately, who you're going to be dropping here. He had flexor, or he had, sorry, surgery on his flexor tendon in his left elbow. He's on the 60-day IL, and he is a drop as well, guys. Uh, Tariq Skubal, man, I, I have a weird relationship with Tariq Skubal because I was so out on him at the beginning of the year. I was just out on Tigers pitching as a, in general, Rodriguez and Skubal in particular. Rodriguez, and like, Jesus Christ, who knows what the hell's happened there. I think he's coming back soon, but... What a nightmare to roster him this year. But Tariq Skubal started off, and people are saying, uh, you know what, this might be a Cy Young year this season from Skubal. It might be like a top five. This is a huge breakout. He was fantastic, and then he went to shit for a good while. Like He was bad for, I forget how many starts in a row. It was like six or seven starts in a row where he got really destroyed. It might have even been more than that. Like It was a good couple of months where he was awful. And then something happened uh, July 21st against Oakland, six shutout innings. July 27th against San Diego, six shutout innings. And then August 1st against Minnesota, five shutout innings. Now, unfortunately, he's done for the year. He's going to end up with a 352 ERA, averaging pretty much exactly one strikeout per inning, 117 and two-thirds innings and 117 Ks, seven wins, and a 1.16 whip. From what I'm reading here, uh, the start of the season next year for him will be in jeopardy. So he might be someone that will be on the do-not-draft list for me again next season. Going into the year, drafting injured players almost never pays off, regardless of your sport. But in baseball, it's really tricky, especially with a pitcher going through shit in his pitching arm. I am not going to be so interested in Scooble for the second consecutive year uh, next season. Let's talk about Pablo Lopez. Not so many teams have dropped him, but it's enough. It's close to 1,000 teams have dropped Pablo Lopez today. He had a dreadful afternoon against the Padres. Six runs and six hits in four and two-thirds innings. It's really been a horrible month for him. 30 innings, 30 strikeouts, but a 7.2 ERA and a 1.53 whip. For the season, that ERA, which at one point was sparkling, is now at 3.83, which is still not bad. I mean, most people, if you told them, I'm gonna, you're going to pitch to a 3.83 ERA this season, they'd probably be like, where the hell do I sign up? That is fantastic. You think about on May 30th, though, he had a 1.83 ERA. Even uh, June 22nd, it was at 2.61. Uh, July 13th, 2.86. It's it's not great that it's now currently sitting close to four. And I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie to you. The strikeouts have been down. He's been walking batters. I mean, yesterday he walked three. Before that, it was none. But before that, it was it was two. So not great. And throughout the season, if you look at some of his walk totals, he's been in the three and four walk range for a good few starts. Um, 40 walks and 134 innings is pretty solid still, but recently it has not been great. I'm not dropping him yet. Uh, that kind of upside, the, the talent we know is there. I, I wouldn't be dropping him and just letting one of your league mates have him for free. Uh, it makes no sense. We talked about earlier, if you are still in a trade league, I would throw in a low ball as hell offer for Pablo Lopez right now. People are literally dropping him, getting rid of him for nothing. He was at 92% rostered a couple days ago. He's down to 90. Not going to be a lot of people, but I think there will be a good enough uh, population here in the fantasy world where they're done with Lopez. They're ready to drop him. If you're offering back literally any crap, any hunk of – I don't want to be so rude here – any terrible player – 
for Lopez right now. You might just get it accepted, and I think that we can see a turnaround in these last couple of weeks. He is nowhere near this bad. It's been unfortunate what he's done. Also had some tough competition, though. San Diego and the Mets mixed in there. Obviously, he wasn't great against the Cubs, but you know, for the for the season still, like I said, 383 ERA, 1.17 whip. You'll take that. You shouldn't be dropping him as far as I see it here. Aroldis Chapman, who I was talking about yesterday, as being somebody who you probably should add, but you're probably not going to feel very good about it. Well, that's pretty much what you got out of him yesterday. He got the victory because he blew the save. He allowed a couple of runs, walked a couple of batters. For the season, he is a 4.45 ERA, nine saves, uh, two wins, 35 strikeouts, and 30 innings. That's another thing with Chapman this season that really, I don't know that it's been talked about so much, but his strikeout rate is like, by far the worst we've ever seen it. He's been a guy who has put up some of the most eye-popping strikeout numbers that we've seen over the last really kind of ever. When you look back in particular, like his 2014 season, where he appeared 54 times. It wasn't like he pitched 10 times or something. 52.5 strikeout rate Uh, for the career. He is a 40% strikeout rate guy. Last season, it was 40. The year before, 48, 36, 43, 33, 40. This season, we're at 26 and a half. He's also walking 15% of batters. Not good. Really, really not good stuff from Aroldis Chapman. His XFIP is 464. His FIP is 460. So it's not like he's been you know, horribly unlucky or something here. The ERA is 445. Uh, let me just check his BABIP real quickly, just out of curiosity. I don't think it's going to be anything to write home about. It's at 236. It's 236. It's the best that he's ever had it. It should be a lot better than this for Chapman, but it's not. I said it yesterday. You probably need to add him in most cases just because he's going to get save opportunities. There's going to be high leverage chances. He'll get some wins. He'll still get you strikeouts. 26.5% is still well above league average. But when you're coming from a place of 40, I mean, last season, 56 innings, 97 strikeouts. 30 this season and 35 strikeouts. It's, It's a horrible drop. And speaking of drop, that's why we're mentioning him here because he has been dropped Equally as much as he's been added today, about 720 leagues have added him, 770 have dropped him. People are really torn on Chapman because he's not that good. It's just that he has an opportunity on a good team to get some saves, to get some wins here and there like we saw yesterday. It pains me to say it, but you probably should add him here if you need saves. Uh, There are guys like Rowan Wick, Sir Anthony Dominguez, um, probably not Felix Batista anymore, but maybe, who knows. Um, I'd prioritize those guys over Chapman, but if they're not there and you need saves, Chapman is the guy. Uh, it sucks. It's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of the situation. Let's talk about today's matchups, and I teased it off the top. We have, an, I mean, I used it yesterday, an embarrassment of riches, but today's matchups, you could spend the entire day in front of the TV watching baseball, and I think you're going to be pretty happy. Let's start off here. Really, the first one that is of note is 2 o'clock, Luis Garcia and Lucas Giolito. Not going to blow you away, but that's a solid enough pitching matchup. Also at 2 o'clock, we mentioned part of it earlier, Andrew Heaney and Corbin Burns. The fact that Corbin Burns is in there against the Dodgers, that for me makes it pretty close to must-watch territory. 3.45 p.m. Eastern Time, Zach Gallon and Logan Webb. That is another great matchup. Two guys with ERAs 3 or under who have both been really good. Webb not maybe as good as we would have hoped this season, but still... He has a three ERA. I've just seen a lot of people, mostly Giants fans, that are 
kind of disappointed with the strikeout rate, and I understand it, but he has still been fantastic this season. Pitching to a three ERA, you can't really go wrong there. That's another really good matchup. Jacob DeGrom and Max Fried at 720. Holy shit, like that is a great matchup. Obviously, DeGrom is DeGrom, but Max Fried, when we were looking the other day, I think it was actually when we had Dalton on Monday, and we were talking NL MVP and NL Cy Young, mostly Cy Young from what I remember. Max Fried is like third in Cy Young voting. Maybe he shouldn't be, or voting in betting odds at the moment. He has a 2-6 ERA and 10 victories so far this season. Man, like, this is probably one of the best pitching matchups we're going to see this year. It's in Atlanta. Obviously, DeGrom makes it must-watch regardless. DeGrom is just stupid good. Um, 16 and two-thirds innings, 28 strikeouts, one walk. Like, he is just absurdly good. Max Fried, also excellent. You're tuning into this one mostly for DeGrom. And then when DeGrom's off, you can take a little break and watch Max Fried. So that one is honestly the best matchup we're going to see, I mean, this week probably. And I know earlier we had Cease and Verlander. This one is pretty much on par for me. Uh, it's 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 close. You could, you could go either way with this one, I think. But I think that I would go, I think that I would go with this one. We usually will do this tomorrow again, but even just looking forward to tomorrow, we have more great stuff coming. Uh, Chris Bassett and Aaron Nola, that should be excellent. Lance Lynn and Tristan McKenzie should be interesting. Brady Singer and Shane McClanahan should also be really interesting. Great couple of days for pitching matchups. And that is what I'm going to leave you guys with today, that you guys should be watching these pitching matchups. Now, if it's your own pitchers, I understand there's a lot of superstition around it. You don't want to watch your own pitchers. I get it. But this is high-level high entertainment that we should be seeing for most of the day. So, guys, once more, if you're not already following on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, that's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Also, go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. We're bringing on a ton more people for next season and even this season to write, to podcast, to do all that great stuff about baseball and about fantasy baseball, which also reminds me, if you're interested in doing any of that stuff, Shoot me a DM. Shoot Dan Bespris a DM at Dan Bespris if you're more focused on football and basketball. But for baseball, shoot me a message. I want you guys to be on the team here if you are committed, if you guys like writing, talking about baseball, whatever. We are growing here. We are expanding. We're looking for committed people. Obviously, you're not going to be making a living off of this. This is not going to be something where, you know, you're making six figures to write. No, it's, it's, not, it's not anything close to that. You're going to be mostly, this is a labor of love. I'll be honest with you. This is, for the most part, for me, we're just talking here because we love the sport. If you guys are writers or you just want to get something off your chest, you love to talk, you're a big mouth like me, shoot me a message. We might have a place for you, especially if you guys are dedicated and know what you're talking about. That is obviously what we're looking for the most. Leave a positive review on the show if you guys have not done so already. I always feel weird about saying that, but it's really the best way to go about things. Just hit the five-star button. Subscribe to the show, obviously, because like I said off the top, we're about to enter into the offseason. You won't be listening as much, but supporting the channel during the offseason, number one way to put a smile on my face. So, guys, we'll see you again tomorrow. We'll go through everything that happened today. We'll look at some weekend streamers. We'll do it all again, but until then, cheers, everybody. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, 
just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.